Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is John T. Morris, and I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich. I'll start off today's episode with an overview of what's happened in the markets. Making the headlines today is Credit Suisse's third quarter loss of 4 billion Swiss francs, hugely below the average estimate of a positive 413 million francs. The bank saw a group net asset outflow of 12.9 billion Swiss francs over the quarter amid challenging markets and restructuring efforts after a series of scandals and risk management failures. These disappointing results come as the bank is preparing a sweeping overhaul and is currently said to be in advanced talks with the group, including heavyweights Apollo and PIMCO, interested in buying Credit Suisse's SPG assets, its securitized products business. Over to equity markets in the US now. With earnings season in full swing, we saw US stocks paint something of a mixed picture yesterday, although US futures are now pointing to a recovery following the disappointing Q3 figures from mega cap tech giants Microsoft, Google Parent, Alphabet, and Texas Instruments. And indeed, the NASDAQ 100 closed down 2.3 yesterday. The S&P 500 index also closed down 0.7% with six of its 11 sectors posting gains. Energy contributed 1.4% and healthcare added 1.1%. The greatest attractors were tech stocks falling 2.2% and telecom plunging 4.8%. The VIX volatility index closed 4.1% lower to 27.28. In Europe now, the Eurostock 600 saw some choppy trading following largely positive earnings announcements yesterday from heavyweights including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and Mercedes. And in the UK, the pound is holding up versus the US dollar after it was announced that the keenly anticipated fiscal term statements will now be delayed until the 17th of November. Sterling has risen steadily since Monday's news that Rishi Sunak will become the new prime minister, adding to investor confidence. The pound is now trading at around 116 versus US dollar. And yesterday, the Bank of Canada announced a new rate kite of half a point, lower than the widely expected 0.75%, taking Canada's baseline rate to 3.75%. The Canadian dollar is trading lower as a result, but this may rebound once the US dollar strength gradually weakens. In the fixed income space, US treasuries were firmer with some curve flattening. In overnight trading in the US, yields fell for a second day with a two-year yield ending down 7 basis points, while the 10-year yield declined by 10 basis points. Over to Asia now, where the markets are largely positive this Thursday morning, with the Hang Seng Index up 1.77% and the Aussie ASX up 0.52%, while the Nikkei and the Shanghai Composite are slightly lower at around 0.29 and 0.46% respectively. Over to currencies, the euro is edging lower as investors wait to see how hawkish the ECB will be after the region's inflation rose to a record last month. The Japanese yen has declined versus US dollar to around 146, while cable is slightly lower but is still holding up above 116. Aussie US dollar is around 0.65. Briefly moving to commodities, WTI crude climbed 0.2% to 88.10 a barrel. Gold finished up 0.7% and Bitcoin futures were up 2.3%, falling just short of the $21,000 mark. So what can we expect for the day ahead? European equity futures are pointing to a mixed open this morning when I checked a few moments ago following a robust Asian session. The European Central Bank will announce its interest rate decision today where a rate hike of 0.75% is widely expected. And earnings season continues in earnest, with companies scheduled to report earnings and sales results today, including Apple, Amazon, Shell, Unilever, Total Energies, EDF, and Lufthansa. 
And that's it for the markets wrap. I'd now like to hand over to Norbert Rucker, our head of next generation research, who has an update for us on the energy sector. Yeah, thanks. Well, we believe it's time again to briefly look at European energy markets because these markets have been really very dynamic. As quickly as they went up, as quickly they came down now, if you look at gas prices, they corrected by up to 80%, uh, trading around 300 euros a megawatt hour, not so, not that many weeks ago. They're now down to 30, 40, something around that. And equally, uh, some similar price moves, uh, some sell-off on power prices, which basically have, have come back to levels that we've lost before the energy crisis of basically roughly a year ago. These dynamics most likely continue to be very wild going forward. So what has been happening? Some of the elements at play have been as expected because these very high prices basically attracted a lot of LNG cargoes, liquefied natural gas cargoes. So basically the global market provided as much gas as it could to Europe. Other elements have been a bit less expected. That's the weather it has been comparably mild. The heating season hasn't really started yet, which means that storage levels are just full to the brim. And then some places there's really no more capacity to store the additional gas. The risks of running short on energy in Europe has mitigated to some extent. And the risk is also much more about French nuclear reactors. And if uh, the companies there manage to ramp up uh, or bring back these nuclear plants online from the heavy maintenance, heavy repair work they're undergoing. So it still needs a combination of several ifs, a cold winter, additional outages, empty Russian pipelines, France being unable to bring back nuclear power plants to really challenge energy supplies this winter in Europe. What we still believe is that the situation next year, next winter, won't be worse, as some say, but rather should continue to mitigate going forward, exactly because of the availability, the improving availability of energy supplies globally. This is not only about gas, but it's also about coal supplies, where especially Asia can lean uh, towards too. So with this perspective, we stick to our bearish views and our bearish positioning in the markets on natural gas in Europe and also North America. That's it from Energy. Thanks. Thanks very much for your insights, Norbert. And now I'm pleased to hand over to Nicola Jordan from the CEO and Strategy and Investment Analysis team with an update on the latest discussions within our investment committee, Julius Baer's Investment Strategy Setting Body. Over to you, Nicola. Thank you, John T. And good morning, everyone. This week's IC provided a first glimpse of the Julius Baer's Secular Outlook offsite, where we revisited the structural trends at work in the global economy and markets. While the structured wrap-up and conclusions will follow in the coming weeks, here are a few of the main topics that were discussed. This year, we noted that over the last 12 months, the world has changed like never before since our CIO first organized this event some 15 years ago. The regime change that has just taken place calls into question all the relationships and mechanisms that have been in place for the past four decades. However, the first conclusion that was drawn from our discussions on this topic was that it would be imprudent to draw strategic conclusions from the market trends of the last 12 months. Many recent phenomena, the sudden surge in inflation in particular, but also the energy crisis in Europe that Norbert just mentioned may turn out to be temporary rather than permanent in the not too distant future. In the following, we discussed the characteristics of the era of state-sponsored capitalism and whether financial repression is really gone for good. While the conclusion remains somewhat unclear, 
it seems certain that we have left neoliberal orthodoxy for good and that macroeconomic policies will remain unconventional going forward. In 2000, equity markets reached record high valuations and eventually the bubble burst. In 2022, it was the bond bubble that burst. In the short term, rising interest rates and credit spreads open a window of opportunity for bonds to perform. In the medium to long term, however, state-sponsored capitalism largely favors stocks and private assets in the jurisdictions where the investor is comfortable with the political risk. Other hot topics that were discussed were the likeliness of an upcoming commodity supercycle, our stance on China and Asia as a whole, or the possible end of globalization. While these topics are incredibly important for the economy and markets in the unfolding decade, I do not want to go into too much detail for now. So stay tuned on the upcoming publications and communications around our secular outlook and our revised capital market assumptions for the next 10 years. That's all from my side. Back to you, John T. Thanks very much, Nicola. And that brings us to the end of today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Many thanks to our speakers and thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.